Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to part two of our sit down with Carlton Wilburn. And if you missed part one, make sure to check it out. We talk about how Carlton met Madonna, how his audition went for the Blonde Ambition Tour, what Madonna put him through, what it was like when he first met Madonna, how it changed his life. Yeah, it's a Madonna extravaganza, but it's also a background into Carlton, a dancer's life. But let's just face it, it's all about Madonna. Check out part one, and now we get into part two. So at what point of the Blonde Ambition Tour do does it come to your attention that this is now also going to be a movie, Truth or Dare, or just a movie? Like, I mean, I, I know the cameras were there, but at one point, did M or Alex Kasessian or somebody say, we're making this movie? That's a good question. I mean, like the specific... Because you signed up for a tour. I imagine you didn't sign up for a movie. We signed up for a tour and we signed off right away on it being on it being documented along the way. We did sign up for that right away. Me being me with what I had, I, with what I um, was afforded already in my career, I know what that smelled like already. So I didn't need somebody to tell me that it was about to be made into a movie, that it was about to be public, right? Which speaks to the reason I show up in Truth or Dare the ways that I do and the ways that I don't. Because I was conscious that a camera is on and you can act a fool, but they gonna get it. So I think to answer your question, it was maybe only a couple months into the rehearsal process and I guess the begin like maybe the first couple of weeks into the actual first tour stop. I guess I think. Like, did you sign anything that said we're also agreeing to like to be filmed? Yeah, and release all our rights or whatever. Correct. Yeah. And then so the tour goes on, and then when it's over, eventually this movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, first of all, it was the highest grossing like movie of its kind at the time until 2002 Bowling for Concubine surpassed it. But so when the movie came out and you saw it, like talk to me, well, when the tour ends, first of all, what happens? Like does Madonna keep in touch at this point before girly show, like in just the tour ends, the movie comes out. Yeah. So for me personally, um, she and I were in full communication right after. She and I, during the tour, had already had conversations about acting and both wanting to act a lot more. Like she and I had those conversations. 
So then we kept in those things. I ended up right after I ended up getting a play for the New York Shakespeare Festival as an actor. I was also singing in that. I opened it with the Jackie Wilson song. Um, and I stayed at M's apartment in New York for the rehearsals of that show. And she came to our opening night and backstage and everything. So I had that kind of thing with her after. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was there anything like during the tour? I mean, it sounded like you guys traveled with her. You had your own writers, which like you said, I think that's above and beyond. Was there anything like, what was the most diva like thing you saw M do where you're just like, I mean, I have nothing against her being a diva. I'm just curious. I mean, she was Madonna. There must've been some like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Everyone get away from me. She wasn't doing, she's not that person. She wasn't doing any of that. She didn't. Wow. In, in the time that I was with her, I, she never, that's not who she was. Um, and I'm grateful for that. You know, she didn't have kids. She wasn't married. So she was a single, free chick that was blowing up in the world. So she was fun and available. You know what I mean? So I don't really remember her having diva moments at people. I had shared over the years, there was a diva moment when I remember watching her put on her makeup when we were at the sound stage doing run-throughs of the shows like twice a day. And we did them in full costume, full makeup. And we had a makeup person and she had her own makeup person. And I remember, but our areas were open. It was like we could walk into hers and talk to her while she was getting her makeup and she would come to ours. And I remember one day just walking in the background and she was getting her makeup done. And there was a moment from when Joanne Gare, who was her main artist then, was on her face. And Anne went to lean in to check her face in the mirror. And there was a way that she fucking literally in seconds went from the chick getting her makeup done to let me check it was the Madonna. And the way that she knew to pull her eyes back and the pull and the way that she knew to study her face for the way that it might work for camera. And then she was back, okay, do it again. It was like that like switch that was on. I was like, oh my God. Like I saw the, I saw her turn on the scale. Wow. Oh, yeah. And then she just sat back in the chair and looked like, I was like, holy fucking hell. Did you ever get starstruck with, you know, like you already met Warren Beatty with like anyone that came backstage, anyone that, you know, everyone wanted to see this tour? Yeah. Who did I get starstruck around? Um, I think Sandra Bernhardt was pretty fun for me at the time, just because she was so dynamic. And so, like, all out there, you know what I mean? She's a good one. Yeah, and I hadn't met anybody with that kind of fiery personality, like, up close. You know what I mean? So that yeah. was super fun. Um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We got, mm. they were at her house for a house party. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have many, like, fun nights out with her, like, after the shows? Or was it just, like, we're all exhausted, we got to go to bed? After the shows? Yeah, no, we didn't really do much together after the shows, but we had, I mean, unless we had like an after party kind of a group 
perception after. But normally, no, we would just kind of all go our separate ways, but we had our own very fun private parties whenever we had them. And they were very loose and very free and very fun. Yeah, totally. Loose how? Loose in that, um, you know, you had all things available. You know, and the sexiness and anybody you wanted there, you could have there. And if there was somebody there that you hadn't really had access to, now you do just because you're part of that camp. And, you know, there weren't like major drugs and shit going around because she didn't have that kind of crew. Like that wasn't her thing and her people didn't run with that. Um, but just the fun of like, oh my God, like we're the chosen one and we're partying. You know? Yeah. And like I imagine if you guys were in a city and wanted to go out, you could go wherever you want. You're like, we're True. Madonna's dancers. Yeah. We're not doing this fucking line. We're just going to walk in, right? True. Yeah. So when the movie came out, what did you think? Like, do you watch it? Do you watch it by yourself? Is there a premiere? Do you go to the premiere? How does that work? There was a big premiere here at um, a really lovely theater. I was not in America when the, t- when the movie opened. I, I, at, by that time, I was modeling for Body Glove, and I was in Bangkok. And so I was there when they had the drop here. But my mom, who's in the movie, got to go on the night that it premiered. And I was really excited for her because she had a bunch of girlfriends that went to see the movie with her. And then they all took her out to brunch. Like, like she was this, you know, star in yeah. the Madonna movie. And like, so that was like more than a highlight. I don't remember honestly where I was and where I, where I got to see it. The whole thing. I don't remember where I was. I just know that I didn't get to go with everybody on the night that it dropped. I mean, what did you think of it? Oh, I was blown away by it. Um, I was impressed and excited. I was super excited. I mean, I thought that they, you know, just seeing how something like that gets edited together when you know that they had these many cameras and like they could have made a gazillion choices and what did, what piece did they keep from your interview? What did they pull from somebody else's? It was like, wow, 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 this is really done well. I was super impressed by it and moved by it and moved by it. Were you like, oh, I shouldn't have done that or oh my God, this exposed more of my life than I wanted it to? Not None at all. That. I had no moments of that at all because again, I was 1000% aware of the camera for every single moment that that filming process was happening. I had no re- regret of any moment at all. Okay. And then apparently... Oliver, Kevin, and Gabriel didn't because they sued Madonna and Boytoy and Miramax and Propaganda Films. Right, that's true. They did. For invasion of privacy and fraud and misrepresentation. So, like, what were your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it was an interesting scenario that went down because the way that her team positioned their communication with me. What I was told was that they were basing the lawsuit on the fact that they did not, that they weren't aware it was going to be made into a movie. And so all their shit was out there. And I said early on when I was communicated with by her team that the answer to that and 
how we know that that is not fair. My thing was, I felt like they were taking advantage of her because they could. We signed off on what the fuck we signed off on. That's not her fault, you know? And if we want to come back and say, yeah, but we should get something for it. Well, I wish I did, but that's my goddamn bad. That's not her bad, you know? And the proof to what we knew is in the movie at the very end. She says, when we're all in bed, how do you want this rated? And we all scream on camera, X! She would have never needed to bring up a rating as a concept if everybody was aware that it was just going to be for private viewing. Nobody looked shocked on camera when she said that, the people that had a problem. So everybody was aware of that. And that's why we all answered the way that we did. And I just thought that that was not fair. It's our doing. Eat, eat what you got to eat. Eat crow. Choose wiser the next time around, but don't try and take money from her just because she's got money. Right. That's where I was coming from. Because you guys signed something. Yeah. Right. And you weren't paid anything for the movie. Correct. Because we signed off on it. Right. But to your point, right. I mean, that's a valid point. Why would you ask about a rating if no one expects? I mean, someone would have said, what are you talking about at that time? Correct. Did they try to get you and the other dancers involved in the lawsuit? Well, I mean, that, that conversation that I'm telling you I had to have with them was part of it. Right. And so once I realized the angle, I said to them, I can't be involved with this if that's how they're positioning their case. Because I don't buy it, and here's why. It's in the movie. Right. Like, you knew you were making a movie, and now you just want some money because you see it made a lot of money, and this woman has money. Correct. That's how I saw it. What about, were you aware at the time? Well, first of all, I mean, this was even before the real world. So we look at like reality TV, what it is today. I mean, the real world, which is the first reality TV show really ever, wasn't even in existence. No, Arthur started the reality TV concept. Really. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, the Kardashians, everything we have today, to me, this was like, once again, it to me, it's Madonna just being way ahead of what the world was, where it was going. So that's, sure. but none of us realized that at the time. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Correct. What about like the whole, were you aware like of what a cultural impact this was happening? You know, in the sense that it was showing like gay men as just human beings hanging out, you know, there were black dancers, Latino, you know what I mean? Like, this was so, to me, ahead of its time. Like, were you guys aware of this? No, I was not. I don't, you know, we all at different times spoken about it. Nobody was aware of it. I mean, that tour, more so than the tour, I'd say Truth or Dare specifically, became the phenom, you know? And it's rare for anybody to know the power of a phenom moment in time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just, my, honest, David, my focus was just on the reality, like, I'm the chosen lead guy, I need to make sure I'm at top fucking peak shape the whole time, you cannot drop this woman, or make any 
weird move that makes her look uncomfortable or feel nervous, that's what my focus was on exclusively. We all have uncompromising standards in so many aspects of our lives. Listen, I love to eat healthy and I try not to eat junk food. And when I go on vacation, I'll admit it. I like staying in really nice hotels. It makes a difference. So why would I and why should you skip out on quality where we spend a third of our lives sleeping? Since I have turned to bowl and branch sheets, I cannot tell you what a better night's sleep I am getting. The husband and wife team that started bowl and branch realized there were no sheets on the market that met their standards for quality. So what did they do? They created their own. These sheets are so super soft. They're expertly crafted. They're smooth and they are so lightweight. I cannot tell you the organic cotton makes them feel so lightweight. Now, all of that is great. But you guys know me. I wouldn't use these sheets if they didn't look a certain way. The look is phenomenal. It's very classic. I say simple elegance. And right from the minute the package arrives, it has this gorgeous white bow on it. It's just a five-star experience all the way. I love these sheets. I sleep better and I will never turn to another sheet brand, Bowling Branch. So listen, to experience an entirely new standard of comfort, visit bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets with a promo code VELVET. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com promo code velvet start sleeping better in lightweight smooth luxurious sheets tonight right you were sure the main money entity was taken care of because i was the one chosen to handle her the most so i was aware of that more than i i wasn't really taken in like what this means to the world and I wasn't aware of all that. You were doing your job. Yeah. Which to your point, I mean, that is a dancer's job to make the lead artist look good and and look better and shine and feel super comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so like looking back, now that this is really to me the forefront of reality TV and had all these issues, multicultural, gay men hanging you know like are you shocked like you know are you honored to be a part of something that has just such cultural significance or am i being totally schmaltzy and making more out of this than it is i mean it's been cited many times as leading to all of this it's not just my crazy brain it is very powerful to hear people say things like that you know um it's true it is it is an honor it's also, again, just for me and my journey, it's, it's ironic is the most because, and this is some of my own personal healing that I'm dealing with right now. I realize that I've had a, an unfortunate habit most of my life to hate on most of the things that are my authentic truth, right? So what that looked like for me when I was a dancer was like, I didn't ever like being a dancer. I didn't ever like being a dancer. I never was into owning and having people label me as a dancer because I thought for them that meant I don't have a brain, I don't think, dancers are stupid, dancers you can't take them serious, dancers are gay, all those things that I didn't want anybody to think about me. So, poof, isn't it ironic and amazing 
that the area that I had so much pushback about would be the area that would rocket my life and give me position in the world in a way that I could not have ever done on my own. So that's what I think about it. Um, I'm incredibly humbled. I'm incredibly grateful, David. Um, I realize that my dance career has truly been everything for me. It has opened up by way directly or as a byproduct of everything else I've ever wanted to do. It has opened up those doors for me. It's allowed me to act. It's allowed me to be taken seriously every time I've wanted to shape shift my career because of the level of my dance career and who I got to play with. They're like, if he can handle that, he can handle this. He can manage this game. You know, me and my life coaching work that I do, you know, I never thought that my dance career could allow me to, would groom me through my engagement with a cross section of people over my years of my career to be able to do the coaching and understand the psychology of so many different kinds of people had I not had my dance career. Um, my dance career helped be the scapegoat when I realized I was diagnosed. When I got to question what my body could capably do, it was me thinking about what I had proven myself with changing my muscular structure. I literally could speak to my body and cause my body in relation to this diagnosis to act accordingly the way I needed because I could trust that my body could listen to me from this other realm that I had already proven called being a dancer. Yeah. I never put all that together initially. I see all that now. So I'm incredibly grateful for my dance career. And how hard, you know, because there are, I mean, she wasn't a diva, but you know, there are rumors that Madonna is a perfectionist. Like how hard was the actual rehearsals, the tours? I mean, there is this stereotype of Madonna needing it to be perfect. I mean, which to me, like the non-trained eye, whatever you did up there would have been perfect because it would have been great. But was it hard? I mean, was it harder than you thought? Um, there was a, I'd say the hardest component of it, the perfectionist thing is that's comes with being a pro and you're working with high level people. So I was already getting that in the dance company, Lou Conti, who was the founder of Hubbard Street Dance Company was known for what he called pictures. When you're dancing as an ensemble, our company was known as companies in North America of being a company that took great pictures because he knew this arm goes here. It's not tilted like that. It's not tilted like this. So the perfection game I was already groomed for by Lou Conti. So by the time I got to Madonna, it was part of the course. Like, this is what you expect. You should fucking make sure your arm is not at that angle, but at this angle and your head is not at this angle, but at that angle. That's what I got groomed for. Um, what was hard were, when we got into doing the run-throughs, mainly for the lighting and our tech rehearsals. And, and I never had somebody tweak the lighting process to the degree that she did, where she wanted to see full run-throughs of the numbers for our lighting all the time, which makes sense because if I'm in, 
animation like this every time, there's a different kind of light that she needs to have hit you. But if you're marking that facially, they won't ever know to hit you. So being forced to run that hard, exhausting number right away again, just run it full out again and again. That was more challenging than I expected. Yeah, but fun. It's super fun to feel like you were in like serious boot camp, you know, and like you were like a trained warrior. That's what it felt like. What was like the best or like the biggest thing you learned from Madonna from being on Blonde Ambition Tour? I would say um, bring all of who you are. Bring the truth of all that you are. You know, I learned that by watching her. I learned that by watching what she celebrates. Um, yeah, bring, bring the truth of you, which is power, which is a little bit of confidence, a little bit of insecurity. Bring all of that, because that colors the stage in a way that's relatable to the audience. If you shield who you are, the human soul does not connect with blockage. They understand it, but they don't want to connect to it. What they want to connect to, which is when you get them forward in their seat watching you, what they connect to is your availability. That's what I most take away. So as I've gone into my own work and producing other creative content over the years, or for sure at the helm of my coaching work is illuminize the truth. Authentically living. That be the saving grace. Well, that's something good to learn. Absolutely. So how do you go from there? Now you're overseas. The movie comes out. How does then the girly show come about? And were you the only dancer from Blonde Ambition to also be in girly show? Yes. So how does that call? Like you, I don't imagine you kept in touch with Madonna every day between the two. Yeah, not every day, but we were in communication and I was living in Hollywood and got a phone call and it was M. She was in New York saying that she was going to be in LA. And uh, did I know of any dancers that she should take a look at? That was the call I got. And I asked her what was going on. I told her of a couple people and we hung up. And then she literally called me back 10 minutes later. It was like, I didn't even think to ask you, are you at all interested in going back out? And I asked her the questions again, like I always do. What is it? When? How long? She told me. And then I gave a response a few days after and said yes. And that's how I got to the grocery tour. But then she asked me after I said, yes, great that you're going to be there. Can you, when I'm there, can you run the auditions? And I was like, fantastic. So I ran the LA auditions with her there, created the choreography, what they would do. Chris Childers, Christopher Childers, who's in the girly show and does the beast within with me, that homoerotic piece that we do. He and I had been boys. I called him. So grateful I could reach out to him and go, dude, I'm leading this fucking audition for so-and-so. You would be all right 
up her alley and you pretty much, I know what she's into, you could fucking have this gig, please come. And he came and Christopher Childers, look him up. He is a goddamn beast in the world as a performer, as a choreographer now, as a director. He's doing really amazing things. He was all up in Cirque du Soleil's camp, running all the rehearsals for them, everything. He's amazing, I love him. So that's how that process was. And I got to run the auditions and then I said yes and I went back out and that's the really show tour. How was the girly show different than Blonde Ambition? <coughs> Excuse Bless me. You. Um, definitely my favorite to perform, you know, I consider the girly show the grown and sexy tour. You know, the Blonde Ambition tour was the camping crazy. The elegance of the girly show was more my rightful speed. You know, guys in cone boobs and, you know, a, 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 a mermaid tail. That's not who I am. And, and you know, and, and I got to give kudos to Madonna because she is great at casting in that way. She knew never to ask me to learn that choreography or put me in those because she knew I wasn't that dude. So she was very smart in those kinds of ways. So the girly show for me was my favorite to perform. Obviously, I have a lot more um, bow to the Blonde Ambition Tour because the, bon the Blonde Ambition Tour was the ultimate game changer because it came with the Vogue video. It came with Truth or Dare, all of those other entities that extended my profile in the world. So I'm super, extremely grateful for the, for the Blind Ambition Tour, but the girly show was my most favorite to perform. Wait, I have another question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, listen, I love being the host of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, but bringing you guys five shows a week, tracking down the top Bravo celebrities to bring you new creative content every day, that causes me stress. It causes me anxiety. I'm not even going to get into the lack of sleep or lack of a relationship. So I needed somewhere to turn. And for me, I turned to BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp because it's professional counseling right from the comfort of your own home. What they do is they match you with a licensed therapist who is a professional that fits your needs and the things that you want to talk about. So you may not have the same issues as I do. They also deal with LGBTQIA issues, anger, grief, trauma. If you are having relationship issues, if you're in a relationship, good for you. I'm not. They really deal with everything and everything you share is confidential. So I cannot stress how much because of this job that I love so much, it has caused me some issues and better help really is a lifesaver. Right now, if you guys also want to start living a happier life, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Velvet Rope. And as a listener, you guys get 10% off your first month. Try it. I promise you, you are going to feel so much better once you talk 
to one of their licensed professional counselors. And listen, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. DM me. Let me know how it goes. This has been a lifesaver for me. Do you as a dancer say, and just in general, like, oh, I like the music of erotica better than like a prayer or like a virgin. You know what I mean? Does the music sure. ever, it, that plays for into sure. it? sure. I mean, I know the erotica album. I was super into that right away. And there were certain numbers that I knew I had hoped, you know, because she's the one that she, with the choreographer, chooses what dancers get to do what number. You don't have a say in that. So I remember after hearing the album and when I got chosen to do the girly show tour, I was like, ooh, there were certain songs that I hoped I would have gotten nicely cast for. And her being smart and her knowing me as a performer in person the way that she does or did, she cast me appropriately. I wanted Fever, I wanted Beast Within, and I got my two numbers and I got them at a level that mattered to me. Did you have a different relationship with her on Girly Show just because like you're leaving the auditions? Like, were you the one that the new kids kind of looked to? Sure. One, because I was also, uh, well, I mean, on the Blind Ambition Tour, I was, the, I, I, I was the older one of that crew. So they looked at me like that. By the time I got on the Girly Show Tour, yeah, I mean, I was the chosen dancer that got invited back. So that in and of itself lends you a certain kind of cachet you know, that everybody is aware of. Um, and everybody played into that, you know, um, so. And on the girly show, like, did was there any change with Madonna or was it still flying private? All the dancers get riders? Absolutely. I, again, I only did two tours with her, Blonde Ambition Tour and the girly show, and we only flew, flew private and had that rock star treatment for both of those tours exclusively. And after that is when you've heard things that that's Correct. when it changed. Correct. So I also read, even though you don't like me to quote things that I've read. So I now have to tread lightly because maybe I'm totally wrong with what I'm about to say, but I've read that on the girly show, when Madonna created this eight minute exclusive number just for you and you were about to go on stage, you were still living not out about your HIV status Correct. And you were worried that if it got too cold, you were in just briefs, it may not be a good thing for you. So like, it almost like you had this amazing moment where it was just all you and it was this eight minute piece that Madonna created for you in front of all of these crazy fans appreciating you that you were still nervous about this other thing. So like, yes. did that overshadow the moment or were you ever able to, you know, was it night after night or did you were able to take in the moment of like, this eight-minute piece is my time to shine. I would, yeah, I mean, I would say that it was definitely a double-headed thing consistently. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority, and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water, and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all-in-one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes, and it totally satisfies my hunger. 
They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. I was acutely aware that, oh shit, you have your moment to blow up. And I was acutely aware you gotta be, make sure you're super strong health-wise throughout this whole tour, no matter what the temperatures are or whatever, whatever, you got to pull this off. I was the, I was the, you know, I was the black mandingo. And so I was also aware of that. I was also aware that I was the black guy on the tour to represent. That put a different kind of pressure on me. You know, I wasn't just the black guy on the tour. I was the black guy as the lead next to her. So you, the way I was raised, you would want to overshow up. You cannot be the lone black person raggedy. That does not go down well. You cannot be the lone dude lifting her and there's a moment when you see her look uncomfortable. You cannot ever come off like that. That's what I was focused on. And she and I worked extremely well together. She, you know, especially by the time we got to that tour. So was there something different? Yeah, there was a trust factor that she had with me and I had with her. And so when you have that, you know, you can really go quite far with the energy on stage. Did you ever, did you ever drop Madonna in the rehearsals? No. Really? I assume you were paid more for the girly show? Of course. So after that ended, like, I guess and even from Blonde Ambition, did you see like a huge change in your career? Or no, because of all this prior training, you were already being cast with Whitney Houston? Or was this really like, oh, you dance for Madonna? Uh, you're hired. Um, it was a combination of that. But again, by the time I had... By the time the girly show happened, I was full steam into my acting career. And so, yes, I was, as an actor, invited into rooms to audition because I was the dancer from M's tour. So it definitely opened up a lot of doors for me, um, gave me a lot of confidence going into some doors. Um, so, yeah. And you got into acting and you liked, you liked the act. Listen, a dancer's life is really I was hard. Acting before, I was acting before I even moved out here. I starred in my first movie when I was still in Chicago. You know, called, it, it's a film called Dance. And it was starring myself, a female named Ellen Troy, and who was a soloist with Twyla Tharp's company, and Johan Rinval, who was a principal or a soloist with American Ballet Theater. So it was the principal, so it was American Ballet Theater, Twilight Art, Hubbard Street Dance Company. We were leading in that. So I was already acting. I came out here to just take it to the next level and to expand it. And the door from the Madonna camp absolutely opened wide 
for me to get into a lot of those doors and for folks to take me seriously as an actor because of the level of what I got to handle being on the road with her. And when you went on those auditions, was it all professional or did people just say, hey, I want to talk about Madonna? Not that that's not professional, but did that seep into the, like, did people want to hear about that? Both, for sure. Both were happy. It just depends on the job. Yeah. There was a lot of invitation for the conversation. For sure. And then we flash forward many, many years later, strike a pose. How did that come about? Um, Strike a Pose came about through lovely social media and Facebook. We were, I, I got a email that was deep long from the co-producers and directors, Esther Gold and Ryer Zwan, who are both from Holland, saying in the email that they were reaching out because they had this new idea that they'd been sitting on and they'd been um, following our careers for seven years unbeknownst to us. They had this new concept that would honor specifically the voice of the dancers, of the male dancers. And was I interested? Three weeks later, they had flown from Holland to LA. I met with them. I was the first dancer to meet with them. We met downtown at a cafe. And within 10 minutes, I realized they were super solid people they had a game of strategy and structure really well thought out. And I immediately said yes. And then the other guys slowly came on after that. Are they huge Madonna fans? Is that what it is? Or they just were fascinated by a dancer's life? Ryer Swan was really the person of the team, spearheaded strike a pose. He had, he was a young, he's an older gay man, younger. So he was aware of us from the tour. I guess his mom took him to see it when he was very young, I think 11. And um, I, he is a, or was at the time, a political reporter in Holland. So his slant was researching, right? And he had become aware that there was still a lot, though a lot of years had passed, that a lot of people online were still making comments and questions about the men from the from Truth or Dare and the Blonde Ambition Tour. And because of that, he was like, oh, there's still strong interest. Let's see what is here. And then he brought on Esther Gold, who has been a well-accomplished documentarian filmmaker in Holland. He brought her on and they became the power team. Was this like a chain effect? Like you'll do it if that one does it or were you just like, I'm in regardless of who else you can get? Yeah, I was the first one that said that I was in. I was in. I was in and then the others came on after me. Did you lead like a Madonna free life up to this point? You know, where like you're, you're an actor, you're living your life. Did you like, did you keep in touch with Madonna? Like, did you think about her or you just, you know, you, you're busy with other things. Like this kind of brought you back to that time. But like, what was your life between like girly show and now all the way here? It was a mixed bag of all the things that you said, you know, the, I mean, because of everything that Truth or Dare has lived on to be, you know, even to this current moment. Um, I could not escape the Madonna thing because it's too in the focus of people, which leads them to a question, which leads to something else. And then there's footage that always shows up, whatever. So I could never get away from it exclusively, 
But I, to answer your question broader, I've always been the kind of person and really went after making sure that I built my own. You know, I was never interested to ride on the coattails of anybody or have my accomplishments solely because of this. So I was building my identity. I authored two books that did very well for myself. Um, I started to build my coaching career. So that's what I've been doing in the middle of it. And, uh, and I love my life. Did you feel, because we saw some of this in Strike a Pose. Now, I haven't seen it since it came out and I was at IFC and I met everyone there. So my memory is a little, but like there was this kind of, I don't know for you particular, but like this overall, like, you know, people, I don't know if people expected to keep in touch with Madonna all these years. Like, I think, like, did you ever feel used? Like, did the dancers feel used? Kind of like, you know, Madonna kept going millions and millions and hundreds of millions and like, you know, I mean, that little, there was a little bit of that, that, right? Like, almost like, what about me? Like, you forgot about me. Maybe not you, but just, was that, or am I just making that up? I can't speak for anybody else, so I don't know what their expectations are. I know for myself, um, no, I mean, I was really clear that she got to where she got to because she played a different game that I played, you know? And, um, and again, I was really interested in making sure that I had my own. So, so like, yours, I'll get mine. no resentment or anything like that. Not at all. Not at all. I'm excited for her. I'm still very excited by what she represents in the world. You know, I'm a stand for the A-lister in a certain kind of way that most are not. And I mean that, David, to say that we put too many expectations on them because of their title and because of what they can provide. And just because they can doesn't mean they should. Just because one can doesn't mean you should. So I think it's unfair. And I've never been the kind of person that thought that I should come at anybody because they have that and expect that they should make a difference for me. She gave me a huge setup already. I mean, I'm not saying that there haven't been moments inside of that journey that I would wish something, but my bigger voice knows wiser, you know? And so I've been excited for her. I love that she represents staying out of the box. Who's to say that because of this that you can't do that? who's to say that because you're this age that you can't change that you know that's an everlasting guidepost for everybody that she is monumental to push do you follow her career like up to now like have you followed it like I the different the albums like you have them and you've listened no, but you follow the albums but i follow her more in regards to interviews conversations points of view I read up and follow that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, like to your point, what about, you know, she gets more age shamed than a lot of others. You know, we have like Cindy Lauper, like a lot of her contemporaries, mm -hmm. Tina Turner, who's older a little bit, Debbie Harry, but like mm -hmm. there's something about Madonna that people expect to be 20 years old forever. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not fair. 
I mean, the, the alternative to getting older is being dead. So I don't know why, but Madonna gets age shamed. I know yeah, you. Funny. I know you think I was age shaming you earlier, which I wasn't. You were, but it's okay. No, I'm I, still I here. Actually, I'm still here. I'm still you are. To you. you are. I appreciate that. But I mean, do you? I don't know. Like, do you? Do you follow? Like, do you follow how like she's age shamed? Like, are you? I mean, I don't know if you follow it that. Closely. I don't so much, David, because the reality is, it's not a new habit. It's not a new conversation for her. Most folks have wanted to bash every fucking thing that she brings up. So now that she's older and wants to present this, it just feels like honestly an old conversation. So honestly, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in reading that again. If I know that there's an article that's going in that direction, I'm not interested in reading that, I won't read it. And I am more right now about educating the public so that they take on a different way of dealing with the person at the status that she is. That makes sense. And that means humanize them. Even them, find the human in them. Find the expectations more like a human, not the way that you wanna see them. Not the way that their team that is paid to make them look a certain way, be mindful. That's a manufactured something. That's not a human. Deal with what you expect as if you're dealing with a human. See holistically what they might have to manage, what it might feel like from their side. Of course, it's always easy to poke at them and go, but they shouldn't and they shouldn't. Why aren't they? Just because they got a boatload. But that doesn't mean that they don't have feelings and don't deserve expectations. They don't. And it doesn't mean they're happy 24 hours a day, seven days a Correct. week. Correct. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So that's my stance on all that. What about, and then we'll wrap up. Do you follow Madonna on social media now? Like, do you think she's changed? Do you think, you know, I mean, do you think the Madonna of today would be hanging out in the clubs with her dancers? I mean, I know it's a different situation. I think that there are versions of that that she still does based on what her lifestyle is now. Absolutely. I think she's changed in some ways, as she should, as is to be expected from any human, right? I keep it real. Yeah. So, yes, she's changed in some ways. I think she has only changed for the better. She's staying true to brand, which is buck the system. Buck the system. And she still rides that very well. And I think here's the other thing that I think that's equally as great about her now is she's, she is still keeping herself relevant by keeping more of her accessible to people. You know? What do you mean? When she's going through issues with her body on tour, she shows you how she's trying to treat it. She's showing you that she's got a cane. She's keeping it real in some ways. I like that about her. I think that that's to be commended by her, you know? Um, and she still lets the exploration of life still be very alive for her. I think that that is something that a lot of people are enamored by, 
but miss the mark on. They're, they miss the mark about that for themselves. You live and be enamored by life the same way that she is proving she is. She bucks the system and tries this, and I'm gonna do that and do that. Folks are impressed by that, but folks don't take that on for themselves. I wish that they would. I have tried to stay connected to M by continuing a legacy similar to that. And to your point, like, I don't know if you've heard the Madam X album, the last album, that was creatively very different, like doing the small, yeah. doing like a small tour. Well, you know, which, I got to see her here in LA for the and, first time ever. Really? First time I ever got to see her perform ever. And what'd you think of Madam X tour? I really was impressed by it. You know, I went with Kevin and Lewis and it was really amazing to see a small venue made large scale. And she was, I mean, she just always has an incredible team that knows how to do all that. I was impressed by it. I was impressed to see and to feel without any concern. I got to fully absorb because I ain't got no investment in it. So I got to just absorb her as a performer. And I was like, and that's why folks dig her the way they fucking do. She's all up in it. It was great. I mean, at first I was like, I don't know, small theater. I don't know what this is going to... It was possibly one of the best tours in years for Madonna. It's so... You're just like... I really enjoyed it visually. I really Yeah. Enjoyed. Like yeah. at first you're like, whatever. And then you're like, no, this is another brilliant thing that it's way ahead of its time to yeah. me. Yeah. What do you want people to remember most about you? About me? Yeah, this is about you too. It's not just about Madonna. Oh, thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. What do I want people most to remember about me that I lived courageously? And what I would like for people, David, most to grab from me is to be about living their life the way they're moved about my life. Live it. Go live what impresses you about this. Go prove that for yourself. That's what I would like people to do. That's what I would like my life to stand for. Okay, well, that's a good thing to have people remember about you. And here's one of my last, two last questions. How, forget about the career, but like, how did... Blonde Ambition and Girly Show, like, change you as a person. Or maybe it didn't. I would say that both of them incrementally put me in more of my own power. One, because I realized that I was first, Blonde Ambition, the little chosen black boy, plucked out of this other thing, getting to be the main lead arms to this mega mega. So that gave me a sense of power about myself and then being invited back and having numbers created specifically for me and realize I actually have the real, I have the real deal trust from an entity that important in the world. That made me feel even more sense of self power. So both of them gave me that. 
at different levels to different degrees. Yeah, I mean, when you're holding someone up high or they're falling into your arms, that's about serious trust. Yeah, exactly. And they know that they can trust you. I've always said I would break limbs in my body before I would let somebody get injured falling from my hands. That's the kind of partner that I am. That's how I get groomed to be. Seriously, I would mangle myself before I let somebody that I'm in control of get injured. Wow. If Madonna called and wanted to have coffee or tea, what would you, she said, you have like, what would you say to Madonna if you saw her today? That would be a very exciting opportunity for me. I would be very moved by it. And we would, it would be lovely. It would be super duper awesome. And it would, it would be an answer of healing to a lot of things. Like what? Like uh, invisible thoughts that sometimes I have or questions I have and I don't have answers to them because I haven't talked to her for a minute. And so I would be able to have those answered by being in that moment. And just by she and I finally connecting again, you know, because I'm holding space that that will get to happen when it's the right time. Um, and that'll be really sweet. And do you have questions and answers from way back, like from unfinished like stuff on those tours or no. just no. just in general? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like you had a moment before, like do you ever get tired of people asking you about this type of stuff? I mean, like it is part of your legacy. I mean, you've done a lot, but this is a huge part of your legacy. Absolutely. So do I'm you ever get tired? Honest. No, I don't. I don't, man. I'm, 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 I get the power of it and what it's given me, all of this. Um, and so I'm super grateful. And I'm re- reminded every time someone says it, it meant something to them that God made me to matter and God made me on purpose to be important. That's what it does for me. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you even wanting to have me on and to, you know, push for this to happen and here we are i mean yeah to me it's like on so many levels like i said it's reality tv which i'm a fan of on so many different levels this to me was way ahead of its time you know i'm get a gay man but i don't stand on like a gay soapbox but just in the concept of it this is before ellen came out this is before will and grace mm-hmm. this is before all of that so that's Madonna pioneered that and pushed this into like a mainstream theaters. Yeah. And, you know, Madonna is the queen. So it's also interesting just to talk to someone that's been in this, you know, in this movie, which will live on forever. Like, I have a question for you. Yes. You can ask me anything you would like. Well, Apparently not, because some things won't be answered. <laughs> okay. So, Ask me anything else. Oh, interesting that you have caveats to your shit. I gave you all myself. Anyway, here's the question. Yes. How does, what is, how does my talk, share time with you differ? Because you've obviously, what you just said, getting a chance to speak to someone that's been involved with all that, well, you've gotten a chance to speak to a lot of people that have been involved with her. How does this one feel different? Or what does this do for you different? 
talking to me? Well, I mean, I also talk to like a lot of people in like different aspects of reality TV. I mean, I think, you know, personally, we all have our favorites. Madonna's my absolute favorite as far as, you know, again, like I understand, I agree with everything you've said. I think everyone's a person. I think, you know, idolizing people and building them up at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And so, but you know, from someone that I will never get to interact with probably on a one-to-one basis, she's just, as an entertainer, she's my absolute favorite. So I just think she's iconic and she's so ahead of its time. So to me, the fact that you were part of this movie and like this period in her life, it's just so interesting to hear one-on-one and, you know, you're also open and honest and willing to share and go on this journey. You know, listen, there's a lot of people that I interview that have an agenda. There's a, well, you know, there's a lot of people that I interview that want certain, like if you're on a reality show now and you want your name in the press for something, it's pretty like if I want gotcha. to, they come on and they, they, I ask questions and I get answers and I don't argue with it because it's going to get my podcast pressed as well. But there's a lot of people that give answers where I'm quietly sitting here saying that's bullshit. I'm not going to say that to you. It's not really my place. It's your interview. It's your time. But in my mind, I'm like, I don't believe anything you just said. You want certain headlines. Hmm. So you're honest. You don't have an agenda. You're not trying to like promote anything. You're not trying to like get a well, headline. I didn't say that. Yourself. You can promote anything you want. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but like, you don't, you know what I mean? So I feel like you're honest. And so there's, that's, you know, so I've enjoyed our time together. Awesome. What would you like to promote? You can no, promote I mean, anything well, what, you like. What, what I would like to not just say that I'm promoting, but what I would like to make available for people is, you know, a lot of people are very moved about my journey and how I've been able to navigate well the ways that I have. And so inside of my coaching work, I have a life coaching program. It's an intensive online eight-week program called Fierce Alchemist 1.0. I finished the first round I started, and I'm planning to do another one because a lot of people needed a lot of new things. And so my work, what I say, is really about helping people get unstuck, helping people reboot their life as we're inside of this wacky new world that's shifting around, and people are trying to find their way and having a lot of insecurity or a lot of unsureness about that this is where i can come in and i can make a very very big difference for them i'm grateful i've been able to work as a life coach with corporations merck the the pharmaceutical company brought me on a couple years ago i've now been in conversations with coca-cola global to do some work with them coaching their executives i've been able to impact a lot of great lives around the world and so my sharing is if anybody is wanting to find a way to get their life to the next level and you trust what my journey has done for me, please find me. You can find me at carltonwilborn.com. You can find me on Google, do a search. I'm available. My IG, hit me up, do a DM, find me. I can get you my three key tips. I can get you my workbook, which is I am empowered. Igniting Freedom, Courage, and Healing. That's my workbook. If you want a DIY process, if you want something more intensive, 
please join me for the next round of my coaching program. Do you love what you do? Do you love being a life coach? I love it so much, David. I, I can tell. Yeah. It surprises me that, you know, because I only know me getting really stirred from the entertainment realm. And after you've been juiced by a ramp of thousands of people, and then it takes you hours to wind down. When I get off of my coaching sessions, I am ramped like that. It's like it's fuel. It really ignites me. And the best thing is for me, I get it's, it's great for me because I get to know that my journey was not in vain that every bit of tear that I've had and worry and angst and sadness and doubt and all of that got to happen so that I had the goods to help somebody else get free and find their way and possibly not have to go through such a torturous journey the way that I did. If you can get to it sooner than later, here's why God made me. So I do love it. I love it very much. Do you and... Do you ever have out-of-body experiences where, you know, because I look back like 20 years ago, I can barely remember anything. Like, do you ever have out-of-body experiences like where you look back and you're like, I mean, it was your life, but you're now in this new life where you're like, where you're like, oh, wait, like, did I really do all that or now? Yeah, it does hit me. You know, I, you know, we don't go through life and have our resume at the forefront of our brain, right? Right. So called into moments where I have to send somebody my bio or pull up some document things to send off to somebody. It's like, and I see the list of my journey and it is sometimes like, wow, dude, you really have lived multiple lives, like on the real, you know, shape-shifting. And again, the rebooting of career from being a dancer to being an actor, to being a public speaker, leading keynote speaks for the CES convention in the Venetian ballroom in Vegas with the president of Panasonic. I did that for four years in a row in between, you know, to having my debut autobiography be the best book through USA Book News up against Simon and & Schuster and Penguin. And I get to offer that. So it is amazing to look at like, wow, damn, dude, that's all you. That's all yeah. you. I like life. You seem like you like life and you seem like you love what you do. So that's great. Speaking of IG, where can people find you on IG? I am Carlton Wilborn Rising. All of that. Carlton Wilborn Rising on Instagram. I am Carlton Wilborn USA on Facebook. On Twitter. I am simply Carlton Wilborn. I did not do it the swift and savvy way and like everything is linked up and sorry, I missed that. I fucked it up. I it's fine. It, it won't let me simplify it. It is what it is. I've, I'm just as guilty of that too. So I have- Fantastic. Thank it's you. all over the place. I will send you a DM so we can keep in touch on IG. I'm an IG person. Cool. Okay, cool. I'll send it to you from the podcast. And I really appreciate you sitting down with me. This has been amazing. Thank you, sir. Thank you for entertaining all of my questions. Why do your eyes get all pretty now that you're going to exit? That's interesting. Like now you let the glow come out as you want to say goodbye? Okay, fine, dude. I have my ways. But... <laughs>
but no, that's I've this as well. No, Thank I'm you. telling you, it's just my relay. But that's what IG is for. That's why we can keep in touch on IG. Fantastic. I appreciate it. And thank you for, you know, thank you for not hanging up and entertaining all my questions. I'm not giving you shade. I'm being honest and real. Like I, I, I thought really at least at this point, yeah. after I divulged myself, which was strategic, that you would at least give me like kind of the number. But listen, that's a shame. But this here's the thing. One way. <laughs> listen, thank you very much. No, I've enjoyed this. I know what. I know what the Blonde Ambition Tour is, and I know what Duran Duran Wild Boys is. So that gives you some context, you know? There you go. So That's fair. But, That's fair. Right. I did see you kind of smile as I brought them up. I'm like, Duran Duran, so, yes. So, you know, I did peep that. Okay. Listen, I always say this. I could play it one way, but when it comes to music, that's when I give it all away. When it starts coming to like my, my idols, then you're that's, busted. that's when people are like, who? And I'm like, we'll talk about it another time. <laughs> so. All right. I'll like connect on, on, on Instagram. Fantastic. Sounds all good. right. Thank you, everyone. Carlton Wilburn. Keep in touch. Thank you, sir, David. Nice to see you guys. You too. Enjoy life. Bye. Ciao. Peace. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you, guys. See you soon.